Suspense. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson. You're about to experience one of the most terrifying half hours in your entire life. Three Skeleton Key, starring Vincent Price. Oh, yes, I realize superlatives tend to lose their significance by overuse. How many times have you been promised that a story would be the funniest or the most dramatic or the most exciting, only to find that it failed to live up to its advertising? The story you are about to hear is an exception. It is unconditionally guaranteed to chill your blood unless you happen to love rats. We begin now with Mr. Vincent Price in Three Skeleton Key, a play well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Picture this place. A gray tapering cylinder welded by iron rods and concrete to the key itself. A bare black rock 150 feet long, maybe 40 wide. That's at low tide. At high tide, just the light rising 110 feet straight up out of the ocean. And all about it, the churning water, gray-green, scum-dappled, warm as soup and swarming with gigantic bat-like devilfish, great violet schools of Portuguese man-o'-war, and, yes, sharks, the big ones, the 15-footers. And as if this wasn't enough, there was a hot, dank, rotten-smelling wind that came at us day and night off the jungle swamps of the mainland. A wind that smelled like death. Set in the base of the light was a watertight bronze door. And in you went and up. Yes, up and up and round and round. Past the tanks of oil and the coils of rope. Cases of wicks, racks of lanterns, sacks of spuds and cottons and cans. And up, and up and up, round and round. Over the light storeroom was the food storeroom, and over the food storeroom was the bunk room where the three of us slept. And over the bunk room was the living and cooking room. And over the living and cooking room was the light. She was a beauty, balanced like a ballerina on the glistening steel axle of her rotary mechanism. At night, you'd lie there on the stone deck of the gallery with her revolving smoothly and quietly over your head, easing her bright white eye 360 degrees around the horizon. You'd lie there watching to see that the feeders kept working, that everything ran right. <laughs> and it wouldn't be bad. The other two fellows snoring in their sacks two levels down. <laughs> you'd smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind. It wouldn't be bad. About those other two, Louis and August, what a pair. Louis, he was head man, was a big fellow from the Basque country, black beard, little hard black eyes, and a pair of arms that I tell you, 
But those arms were as big around as my legs. Yeah, headman he was, and what word he let go was law. A silent fellow, and although I spent my first two weeks trying to strike up a real conversation, the most I could ever get uh, out of it was... I took up this profession because I, I, I don't like people. They talk too much. It's quiet work, light tending. Let's keep it that way. Understand? You you're getting to be as bad as Auguste. I thought maybe that was Louis. And when he accused me of becoming like Auguste, I quieted down because Auguste was the talkingest man I've ever met, the talkingest and the ugliest. He was hunchbacked, stood four feet high, had red hair and big blue eyes. It seems he'd been an actor in Paris. Played in over 200 different productions, dear boy. That's a grand guignol. Oh, but it was monstrous. Horrible. The way we used to scare the audience. <laughs> I, I was hated. Yes, yes. They used to throw things and hiss and, and bare their teeth at me. Well, finally, it got too bad. I... I couldn't stand it any longer. No, I gave up the theater. My nerves, you understand. Yes, I gave it up completely. I really did. I couldn't stand it any longer. It all started one morning at 2.30. I was on watch, lying on the cool stone deck pulling on my pipe, staring out at the blackness, the phosphorescent comers, and the big yellow stars. When out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something show up for a second. Something the light had touched, far off. I waited for her to come around again, and when she did, there it was. A three-master, a big one, about a half mile off, and coming down out of the nor-nor-west, coming straight for us. You, know, you must understand, our light was where it was for a very good reason. Dangerous submerged reefs surrounded us and ships kept clear, but this one, this sailing vessel, was coming straight on. I went over to the gallery door and yelled, Louis! Louis! What? Ship headed for the reefs! Coming right up! I had the glasses out now. Couldn't read her name, but I could see her quite plainly. All sails set, the foam creaming away under her bow, her beautiful lines. A Dutch ship, I guessed it. But why didn't she turn? Every time it passed, our light hit her with the glare of day. Ship? Where? No, no, west. The light will touch her in a moment. Can't they see? Look at her. Just keeps coming on. The square heads. What is it? What is it? Watch no west. I know. I know what it is. What? The Dutchman. The flying Dutchman. She's derelict. That's it. Derelict? Abandoned. The crew left her for some reason or other, but instead of sinking, she's gone on, running before every wind. She'll not run long. Not with these reefs to break her up. Beautiful ship. Now, why would men leave a beautiful ship like that? We 
We watched her the rest of those black hours, healing and rocking, pushed and pulled by every stray wind, every freak current. Watched her until the dawn came, till the sea turned from black to a pearly gray. And on she came again, heading for us. We all had our glasses trained on her now. August, you can kill the light. Right, Chief. She doesn't look so good by daylight. Do you think she'll ground this time? I say, do you think she'll ground this time? This is impossible. Absolutely impossible. Why? Here, take my glasses. They're stronger than yours. All right. What is it? I had to focus, and then my breath froze in my throat. The decks were swarming with a dark brown carpet that looked like a gigantic fungus, but undulating. And on the masts and yards, the guys and all were hundreds, no, thousands, no, I don't know, an inestimable number of tremendous rats. See them? Yes, yes, I see them. Now we know why she's a derelict. Yes, now we know. What are you two doing here? Give me a look. Yes, yeah, yes, give him the glasses. Uh, Take a good look, Chatterbox. Huh? Give you something to talk about. She's still heading for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, if she's going to turn, she'd better turn soon. Suppose she doesn't. You mean suppose she piles up on the key? It's low tide. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Well, where's all the conversation? Oogies? No! Huh? No! She's still coming on. Go away! Turn. Go away! Turn, will you turn? I say, I pray you turn. Cracked up. <laughs> Rats, look! On the water, like a carpet. Swimming. Sure, they're swimming. Those are ship rats. They're swimming for the rocks. <laughs> the door below, it's open. Yes, come on. Down we went, racing down the stone stairs, taking them three and four at a time. Scared. You can bet we were scared. Oh, you get the windows. Maybe they can climb. We don't know. Right, Chief, but hurry. Hurry. See them? No. Oh, oh, yes, I do, yes. Up at the other end of the rock. Look at them. Me! They smell us. Here they come. Close the door. I can't. It's stuck. Oh, here, let me... You move me. You made it. Holy. That was close. One got in. Look, there. We'll get him. Watch it. He's... Kick him. What a brute. It's as big as a tomcat. Bigger. His eyes were wild and red, his teeth long and sharp and yellow. He went for a starving, ravenous. And we fought him, fought that one rat all over the room. It was all, believe me, I do not exaggerate. It was like fighting a panther. Got him. We'd better get aloft. We ran up the winding staircase. We passed the tiny windows of the various levels. And at every one, every one was a thick, wriggling, screaming curtain of brown fur. 
I was ahead of Louie, and I dreaded each successive level. Suppose they had found a way in. Look at them. Will you look at them? It's a nightmare. Will you look at them? The air of the gallery was thick and fetid with the stink of them. The light was dim brown, filtered through the crawling mass that swarmed over the glass all about us. We could not see the sky. Nothing. Nothing but them. Their red eyes, their claws, their wriggling, hairy snouts, and their teeth. The rats, they screamed and howled and threw themselves against the glass. They were starving, and we three, we stood quietly, very, very quietly, in the center of the glass room, under our beautiful light. What can we do? What can we do, Chief? Take it easy, Yogis. Take it easy. It won't do any good. It won't do any good to stand here and shake. That's right. Go away. Go away. Do you hear me? Go away this instant. They won't go away. Not until... Finish it, Chief. Not until what? Not until they've been fed. You can take just so much horror and then you get used to it. And they were interesting to watch, you know. They couldn't understand the glass. They could see us and they could rush at us, but that thin, invisible barrier held them off, stopped them. From time to time, we caught a glimpse of the rocks below. More rats down there, swarming brown velvet in the bright tropical sunlight. And then the tide began to rise. If only it had drowned some of them. Ship rats don't drown. You can't drown one of them. Look, they're all climbing up the tower. Yeah, this bunch around us is getting thicker. Mm. See, what's the time, huh? <laughs> Quarter of six. You've got first watch. Yes, Wait that's right. Ten. I will. I will. Come along, August. It's getting dark. One side of the room was lit a soft, filtered red. Sunset through the rats. Oh, very pretty. <laughs> I set the wicks, checked my fuel, and then lit the lamp. The coffin. Lit them in their gigantic, wriggling web of pale, hairless bellies, twitching red tails, bright eyes. And then I started the rotary motor. <laughs> 